Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I am so happy you are here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about all things to do with motherhood and parenting and explore the joys and the challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to inspire us all on our parenting adventures and to support parents to raise their children with more awareness, connection and love. Welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I'm so happy to introduce Kate Boltrovsky, who is a Aware Parenting instructor. And thank you so much for making time to come and talk to us, Kate. My pleasure. So Kate is originally from America, but has lived in Australia since 2008. She has three children and has been an Aware Parenting instructor since 2014. At the moment, Kate is doing a PhD at Southern Cross University, um, researching an evaluation of the aware parenting approach, focusing on playful discipline. And Kate has recently had an article published in the Child and Family Behaviour Therapy Journal titled Parents' Experiences of a Brief Online Parenting Programme with Playful Discipline. So, wow. (laughs) That's so amazing. Thank you for coming on to talk to us. Can you start by just talking a little bit about how you found Aware Parenting and what about it really resonated for you before we go on and talk a bit more about your research? Oh, that's great. Yeah. So um, when my daughter was born in 2010, she, I kind of was already into like, um, you know, yoga and gentle um, approach to living, I guess. And then, but when she was about two months old, she started waking up every hour or two hours and we were doing everything like you know co-sleeping and breastfeeding and I was weighing her in a baby carrier and I was like why is she waking up you know what's going on and I knew from my background in yoga that this meant there was some kind of imbalance or something you know was there was something going on but I just didn't know what and all of my quote research which I was you know looking online asking friends you know informal types of research was why is she doing this and then I came across Marianne Rose's website and she talked about unexpressed feelings and aware parenting. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Because in all of my like training in yoga, we did breathing, meditation. If you were not feeling balanced, then you couldn't sleep. So then I was like, oh, well, that makes sense now for babies. Uh, so, yeah, I remember just reading that article in the afternoon and then an hour later, she had fallen asleep for a nap and woke up 20 minutes later crying. And I knew she still wasn't ready to wake up. So I held her and she had this big um, emotional release in my arms. And I was crying and she was crying because I was crying. She was a relief <laughs> and really like listening to her. And it, it didn't take much for me to get it. Like I just, I understood that's what had to happen, you know. So anyways, and then she had the cry and that night she started sleeping a lot better and we kept continued and then I read the books and uh, became an aware parent instructor a few years later a couple of years later so wow that's my story <laughs> yeah well it's so powerful isn't it because you what I love about aware parenting is in a way although it's difficult to do because especially a lot of our stuff gets in the way but essentially it's really quite a simple uh, approach once you understand that the simple element of 
that, of course, we need to feel comfortable and relaxed in order to sleep. I mean, it just completely makes sense. And of course, one way to support our children to feel comfortable and relaxed is to allow them to express what they're feeling and for us to listen lovingly. It's so powerful. And I love that we then get to observe our children immediately afterwards and be able to see, oh, yeah, this this is really effective. And, and it's it's connecting and it's beautiful and it's lovely and it's all those other things too, but it actually works. It actually works, yeah. And it, it was simple. Um, like I, like you said, it's not always easy, um, but the concept was so simple and I already knew it, but for some reason I wasn't applying it to my own child. So that was the kind of um, breakthrough moment. So, yeah. Wow. Life was never the same after that, <laughs> that afternoon. And you have three children, so... Presumably, your second two children you started from the yeah, birth, really. From birth, yeah. Then it was um, actually um, with the crying and the babies. My my third, he cried for about an hour after he was born, and I I can imagine if that had been my first, I would have been so you know worried or something. And I just I kind of knew that it was okay. Mm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, straight from day one, I guess, with the, the rest of them. <laughs> How beautiful. How amazing. Wow. And so what prompted you to go into research? Because it, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, I love aware parenting. I'm going to do it with my family. And it's another thing to say, oh, I love aware parenting. I'm going to do it with my family. And I, I want to share it with others. So I'm going to become an aware parenting <laughs> instructor. But it's quite another thing to say, oh, I love aware parenting. And I'm going to go to uni and do research and, and work towards a PhD in this area. So how did that happen? Because that's incredibly brave and courageous. And Yeah. Well, um, before my daughter was born, I actually wanted to do a PhD in education. So I was quite passionate about kind of alternative um, pathways, you know, in education, which you're aware of. And then when she came along, all of that kind of got parked on the side for a while. And then when I started becoming more interested in learning more about aware parenting, it kind of my passion for I guess helping children or just improving society kind of just turn more into aware parenting and then I've always like I have a background in science already and um in education and the project did evolve when I first started the PhD it, it wasn't just aware parenting it was like how would yoga also help <laughs> um, parents but um I think you know when you first start off you're very ambitious um, and then we had to simplify the project. The project changes and then, yeah, it, it came to a point where it was just aware parenting because that was where the real need was. This is where the gap is um, in parent education is this aware parenting perspective, so philosophy, I guess. Mm. And so in, in your research you've published recently, you talk a lot in the introduction about, well, there are three key themes that I identified. One was the research that confirms that there is, is unhealed trauma that is underlying behavior problems in our children, which is understood, really. The second is research about the positive impacts of secure attachment on children and how that carries on into their adulthood. And the third is that there's so much parental stress well documented in the research so there's a real there is obviously a real need like you say for programs to um to support parents and um yeah do you want to talk a bit more about any of those or all of those well you've really analyzed my article I think more than I have (laughs) (laughs) um it's really hard I think with I guess to give a bit of a background about what you're saying is, you know, parents get information for how to raise their children from a variety of sources. So they might get it from friends or family or books, 
websites and only some of them end up doing parent education courses like taking an aware parenting program. So I guess it's important to know that, you know, my focus is on parents who have learned the aware parenting approach. Um, and then within the realm of parent education, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's no research on aware parenting, but, but there's no research really on the philosophy. Um, I think you'll find that um, so much of the research is focused on behaviorism. Even in attachment-based parent education programs, they still focus on kind of a little bit of behaviorism where they, you know, do rewards and ignoring to elicit certain behaviors. Um, I feel like I've not quite answered your question. I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but I guess the, the basic idea is that there really is, a, there's so many gaps in the, the philosophy of aware parenting that still need to be done. And it's like, I've started researching and now I realize there's so much more that needs to be done. And I feel like I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? How pervasive that behavior modification approach is in our society. Yeah. It's extraordinary how that is just accepted by yeah. even like you say, people who are approaching parenting from a, a sort of more attachment based philosophy, it's still so accepted by everybody. It is. Yeah. And it's not that there aren't other philosophies out there. There definitely are. There's the um, theory of self-determination by Ryan and Desai. That's like, well, I remember when I came across that, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Why don't people know about this? Um, you know, there are definitely other philosophies out there, but yeah, it just seems to be that behaviorism has kind of taken a firm route. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's interesting as well that, and something else you, you talk about in your research in the discussion about how there really are just two two main approaches, and one is like quite a strict behaviorism type approach, and the other is a much more permissive style, and that aware parenting sits so beautifully in the middle of that, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, how long how long have you been doing this for? Oh, um, so it's been about four years that I started. So I'm doing part time and then COVID happened yeah. and everything got <laughs> delayed. Um, but it's fine. So I have a few more years to go probably with this particular project where I'm just doing an evaluation of aware parenting. So. Yeah. So can you talk a bit then about what aspects of aware parenting you included? So my understanding is that you had you had two groups and you provided an online training. So yeah, perhaps you could talk a bit more about just the methodology. <laughs> methods. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, so this was in 2020. We did the study with um, it was a small group of parents, maybe 26 parents. And we gave one group the aware parenting program in a, a single session. And then the other group had was an active control group. So they also received some support through a Facebook page, but they didn't actually get the Aware Parenting program. So it's nice to have an active control group, but it can also mean that they get some attention, which is great for them. But um, sometimes it's tricky designing these types of studies. A lot of times the control group just gets put on a wait list. Um, so then, of course, the intervention program looks amazing <laughs> because the other group really got nothing. Anyways. Yeah, and then after that, uh, so it was eight weeks long. We gave the program, it was a single session of work parenting. Eight weeks later um, was the end of the study. And what we measured this time around was the parents' feelings of self-efficacy, so how well they think they're doing as a parent. And we also looked at the child's behaviour. 
And so it's just two measurements that we looked at. And then I also did interviews because I wanted to find out from the parents, you know, what were their experiences and how they found the program? Was it practical? Because like we've said, there's really not much out there, especially for a playful approach to discipline. So I'm assuming that a lot of listeners today, sorry, are uh, familiar with a way of parenting, but I don't know, maybe the playful discipline, just maybe you want to talk a bit about the playful discipline? Yeah, sure. Well, Um, not so familiar with the the main ideas. I mean, I do have another episode, which is like an introduction to aware parenting. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to that, that might be helpful. But so the playful approach to discipline is, is based on this idea that we can support our children to release feelings that might be underneath their challenging behaviors through laughter and play and connection. And that that supports our children to be more cooperative and to feel more in balance and more restored, partly because it meets their needs for connection and fun and pleasure, and partly because they're able to release their feelings of stress and distress that they're holding in their bodies through laughter, um, which is a really powerful healing mechanism. So that would be like a brief summary, I suppose. Yeah, that's Um, great. And so what aspects uh, did you actually include then about playful from the playful parenting approach? Because obviously, I mean, attachment play has nine different components that yes. Elisa Salter describes. So, yes. So we um, we gave them a very brief kind of introduction. So we only ba- basically just focused on the, the three main reasons for uh, why children might misbehave. And then we gave them very simple uh, tools to to deal with that kind of um, undesirable behaviour. So um, we taught them power reversal games, so like pillow fights, and we taught them about present time, so being with our children, you know, not expecting anything, not trying to make it educational, just for could be five minutes a day or 30 minutes a week. That's what Elisa Solterra recommends in her books. And then um, we also taught them about a loving limit, so setting a limit when they've done um, something, but also accepting that emotional response, you know, crying if you set the limit. Anyways, uh, so that was the very basic stuff. Obviously, it was only one session. It was three hours long. So we kind of had to make it very simple, but I think it was the basic stuff. And and then w- there was some follow-up with our participants. So we would give them some articles, you know, some ideas about using play. And, you know, it was kind of like the way I described it in the beginning when I just read this article about listening to my child crying. And then with these participants, all we did was talk a little bit about how, you know, why children might behave in ways that we don't like um, or that are inappropriate or whatever you want to say, however, whatever terminology, um, you know. And then uh, just give them some of these playful discipline ideas. And they just kind of took took it in and made it their own. And um, a few of them said it was difficult in the beginning to implement or maybe they would kind of go back to their old ways of reacting to the child's behaviors um but they said after a little while it you know started to make more sense it started to become a bit more second nature just to think about it and wow it's amazing that just a short three-hour session can be enough how did you explain to parents about the feelings that are can be underlying behavior problems and, and the three things that children can do when they're feeling with with feelings and how that affects behavior. Right. So we talked about um, the need for information when, you know, children uh, might not know something, which I think Marianne Rose talks quite a bit about this <laughs> in some of her writing and stuff on social media, how it's often the least, so the reason why that 
a child would be misbehaving is because they don't know something, you know. So if you're trying to cross the street and you say, be careful, you know, I don't want the car to hit you or something, um, usually I'll have to say it once. But then if they are repeating it, not holding your hand crossing the street or something, then there's something else going on. So then it comes to this level of an unmet need. So we taught them about that could be a physical unmet need or um, an emotional unmet need. Uh, I guess examples of physical unmet needs could be they're hungry, they're tired, they're uncomfortable, they're wearing uncomfortable shoes. I don't know. know, There could be a million reasons why there's a physical need that's not being met. Um, And again, that's sometimes I think we tend to think that might be the the reason why our child's misbehaving or, or they're hungry or they're tired. And that can be the case sometimes, but a lot of times it might not be that that way and then the emotional unmet need could be you know maybe they didn't feel connected to you or they're feeling like they're not having power in the situation maybe they've been slept around all day and they're tired of it (laughs) you know they want to have some say in their day or something Uh, and then the third reason why children misbehave would be that there's some underlying stress or trauma stress and trauma are different things so we didn't really go too much into this, but just to know, just to know, I think that that's another reason why our children might be misbehaving is like a, a light bulb sometimes like, oh, okay. Sometimes it's just not really even, it's sometimes it's just out of our control and it's not like we did anything wrong. I think that can also help parents with feelings of guilt. Mm. They know that there's just something underlying that it's not an unmet need. But yeah, so that's what we taught to the parents. Of course, in three hours, it was pretty brief, but um, yeah, they seem to get it, which is why I think that Aware Parenting is ready to take off because we didn't need to describe for hours and hours and days and days about this approach. It was just a very simple, this is what it is. And there wasn't many questions. They just were like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. It's amazing just giving people an explanation and an understanding of something to to think about things in an aware parenting way that they wouldn't, it wouldn't have occurred to them otherwise. Uh, And then giving them some strategies, like quite simple strategies, like doing present time for 10 minutes a day and and playing some power reversal games and, and setting some loving limits. How how significant that can be to make their life easier. And like you say, I mean, often parents have this so much emotion coming up when their children are misbehaving and and guilt and shame and confusion and and feeling lost and stressed and unsure what to do. And yet here we have a really simple way of just saying, this is why your child is behaving in a way that you find challenging. And this is how you can support them to feel better so that they're less likely to behave like that. It's really powerful. It is powerful. And I think it's also important to know that if you look at our own, the reasons why we might, I guess, behave in certain ways, this is only one thing that can affect our, the way we behave is knowing. Like if you if you go back to the three reasons why children misbehave, the first one is um, that on having that understanding or that knowledge. And so when parents know that this is what's going on, that's really only one way. So I, I would say that in a way, my, my studies are a bit superficial because it doesn't really get into the other layers of our own behavior as parents. So, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't get into our own unmet needs and our own feelings of like stress and trauma, but we do let them know that that is another thing. So that's something that they could, you know, maybe pursue on their own. They need some more support. Um, so again, it's a very introductory program. And I think the playful discipline is such an easy thing to incorporate in your life. 
it, it's not like um, I think listening to crying is a bit harder. It's <laughs> um, so, so, but it's not as hard for people to play a game. And I, I always tell people about Bluey; they can watch and get ideas from um, the parents who play these games for the kids. Playful, playful parenting ideas. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that what you're saying about the parents and perhaps just their understanding of the the three reasons for challenging behavior in children and understanding that that also applies to us is just a start in that process isn't it because yeah. i mean for us to do our work which is such a core part of aware parenting to have our children behave in a in a less challenging way and for us to feel that we have powerful strategies that we can call on to support them actually buys us some space to be able to start then doing some exploration into our own stuff but it's yeah. interesting that that information piece and and what we're telling ourselves and what our beliefs are and our thoughts is is such a it's a much bigger part of the picture for adults than children yes yes yeah, so uh, and initially like aware parenting is all about how to help our children like how to help your daughter sleep or whatever it is but actually increasingly it becomes all about our stuff too yeah but, yeah what a, a great way just to introduce these concepts to people in a, in a way that people can then run with and, and explore right. in more detail if they want to yeah and I think I was so amazed by some of the participants how easily it seemed to come to them when I thought, oh, this was harder for me. And I, you know, I, I dove right into this stuff and I was like, wow, they really get it. So, um, you know, it depends on the person, obviously, but I think for some people, it just, it's like a flip of a switch. Um, not for everybody, obviously, but for mm-hmm. some yeah. And for some people, play is quite difficult. Like, you know, you were saying listening to feelings is hard. Sometimes parents are really naturally very playful or can or can switch that switch easily. But for some, it's difficult to get into that play and, and to get out of our heads and to get to be ridiculous and to allow ourselves to be silly. But that's so therapeutic in itself, isn't it? It is. I know. And I, we, that's something we tell all the parents as well, is that it actually, the laughter and the plays actually can be also beneficial for yourself. Um, yeah, some parents found present time was much easier and they really enjoyed that part of it. And they found that that actually made the biggest difference um, more than the play was just the present time. And one of the participants, I think I included one of the quotes, was that it was so simple and automatic. Like they didn't have to wait weeks for to see a result, to see an improvement in behaviour. It was it was almost instant. So I heard that a couple of times from some of the, the parents, which was really interesting. So it's amazing. I love how like it, it's just so powerful to think that a, a brief three hour session with some follow up support on Facebook can be so powerfully transformative as, as an amazing starting point. Wow. So you talked about the key themes that you found in the research I mean, obviously, it's about transforming people's understanding. But can you talk a little bit about that, about the the other aspects that you found, you know, wanting to be the best parent that they could be and reframing behavior? You said in here that um, thematic analysis of the interviews after participation found three key themes. And that was, yeah, about you know, parents wanting to be the best parent they could be and um, yeah. Yeah, reframing that behavior. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really... I wasn't expect so we weren't expecting to find any of that stuff about the parents expecting uh, wanting to be the best they could be, but it it came up in almost every interview was that this sense of really striving to do their best, and that by the way this was at the start of the pandemic I think it was in July of 2020 and a lot of the participants were in lockdown, and you know just experiencing huge disruptions to life, not being able to travel, see family, etc. We all remember, and um, it was. 
yeah, it was, that was kind of amazing to see how they were so dedicated to their children. And that just kind of reaffirmed, like uh, reaffirmed that every parent is doing the best they can, no matter what the capacity is that they have to do, you know, to be a parent. And they're all trying their hardest. And um, that was, that was quite profound actually. So that became one of the themes because it just came, kept coming, coming up over and over again. And um, yeah. And then uh, reframing the child's behavior was kind of what we've been talking about, how parents just, a lot of them, it was a really new concept. Some of them actually were familiar with the way parenting, but had never done an aware parenting course. But even for them, it was this reframing of, oh, my child's not trying to be annoying. They're not trying to be naughty. Um, there's actually something going on here. And so it was amazing that only three hours of, um, actually it's two and a half, they had a few breaks, <laughs> two and a half hours of talking could just help them to realise that was happening. So that that became a theme as well. Uh, also, parents talked about having more tools in the toolbox. So they talked about having, you know, just more options and a threat like do that again, you're going to get a smack or go to your room, I don't want to hear it. So just having more tools to work with was a big thing. Yeah, and then the final theme was that we that a three-hour session was enough. You know, parents are really busy and especially with young children, they have limited hours that they can commit. And a lot of attachment-based parenting programs, this is kind of the basis for um, the rationale for my study as well, is that a lot of attachment-based parenting programs are quite intensive. Um, there's a few popular ones called Circle of Security and there's another one called Parent-Child Interaction Therapy Toddler. It's a kind of a new one. And they're quite intensive. Like they require, um, it could be face-to-face or one-on-one, even through video or multiple sessions where you have to go, um, you know, a lot. And they cost a lot of money to run and put on. And so I think that was kind of the big takeaway was that not all parents need that high level intensive course. Some parents who might be considered disadvantaged or high risk might fall into that category. But for kind of, I guess, ordinary parents, a three-hour session could be enough, which is really great. But usually a three-hour session or a a very brief program would be a behavioral program like Triple P is a very mm. popular one in Australia. Yeah. Um, there's a few other ones, The Incredible Years and One, Two, Three Magic. Yeah. yeah. So these are programs that are endorsed by the government. They're, they teach rewards and punishments like time out, and they are more geared towards kind of ordinary parents. But ordinary parents may not always want or need those kinds of interventions, and they don't always work. So sometimes, like, Parents who do triple P, they use timeout and they find out it didn't didn't stop the child's um, misbehavior. And what do I do now? Yeah. Um, so this is where aware parenting it could come in. It's a brief program. It's attachment based and it has um, specific component for discipline. And some of the other attachment parenting programs, which are wonderful, like Circle of Security, um, they don't have that specific component for discipline. Mm. this is why I think aware parenting is just so special yeah yeah I agree and it's interesting that the government endorsed programs are so much about you know power over and coercion and that they're not even effective and that they result in like this behavior and this a breakdown in the relationship between parents and children sometimes um I think triple p has actually done you know help lots of families and um the government also doesn't endorse uh, circle of security. So they they also, you know, there is a range of 
programs that the parents can choose from. Um, but like you said, it, they don't always work. There was one study in, um, and usually the independent studies find different results than what the, <laughs> the studies by the developers come up with. Um, obviously, I am a I teach a web parenting, so I might be I'm a hypocrite here. But um, yeah, the independent studies of some of the behavioral parenting programs like Triple P don't always find that the programs do what they're supposed to do. And it's that's not to say that they're not helping people because they also teach parents to be responsive and to not like hit their children. And you know, they are doing good things, but um, like like you said, it's not always, it doesn't always work, and parents might not want that. They might not be interested. Sometimes in my study, um, some of in the interviews, some of the parents said, well, I saw all these programs that were offered by the church or by the, the school or by the preschool, but I could see that they, the values didn't align with what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So some parents just are looking for something different. And I think aware parenting is, is, could be that thing for some people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's great to know that the parents are so motivated. And did they talk about, did you get feedback about what they might want more of or differently or or how to ensure that the programs that we deliver, even if they're brief and, and targeted, can be as effective as possible to meet the needs of parents? Was there any feedback? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, um, the parents were pretty happy with one a single online session. Right. Uh, I thought I, I kind of was trying to ask them, like, well, do you want more? <laughs> Is that enough? Uh, some of them said that they would have liked to have one follow-up session um, a few weeks after the initial one, not to learn any new content, but just to go over what they had learned and see if they were getting it right, maybe share some, share some experiences. So, yeah, that was quite surprising that they found it was enough. A lot of them said, yeah, I'm too busy and anything more, would no, I couldn't do it. And some of the parents who were on the control group who would they they just were on Facebook. It was a Facebook group. And they were just getting articles sent to them every few days. And they actually found some of them, and they didn't know, so I should have said that they were blinded to the study. So they didn't know that they were in the control group. Mm-hmm. Um, I did offer them the program uh, after the, the study, by the way. But um, yeah, they didn't know they were in the control group. And they some of those parents that actually have a profound experience just reading every few days a parenting article about maybe playful discipline or, you know, just some general parenting tips like about sleep or are you getting enough sleep, not even really aware parenting related. So um, I think we really need to, like parents really need options of how they get their information. So some parents might like online courses that they don't have to talk to anyone. They can look at it at 10 o'clock at night when the, the child's in bed and they can just you know, scroll through, put the headphones in. Uh, yeah, so I think having options is the best thing for for parents and finding what works for them because that's the really, the pragmatic, um, I guess, basis of my project is that it's just finding what works. So. Mm. That's interesting um, because there's so many options now. I mean, when I first started Aware Parenting, I, I had sessions with Marion and I had sessions with Aletha, but that was basically all that was available to me. And I read all of Aletha's books and then read books by other people too. But now there are so many options. There's so many wonderful Aware Parenting instructors all over the world who all bring their own like unique flavor to how they support parents. And there's courses and there's lots of stuff on, on social media. And um, yeah, so there are it, it, there's something for everyone. Yes, it's so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about other things about the benefits of play. Would you like to, do you want to explore that some more? 
Well, sure. <laughs> I do. You mean in my research? Mm. <laughs> I would love to. The thing is, I, right now I'm focusing on the parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Working with children is another area that is so needed, badly needed, um, especially in program development. When we're talking about discipline, you know, is this something that the children like? I would like to say, yes, they do. But there hasn't actually been any studies. And this is really concerning to me that of all the methods of discipline, timeout, plan ignoring, rewards or playful discipline, there really is no research about the child's perspective of it. Wow. Uh, so that's something, there's a, maybe been like four or five research articles on that. I've done a, I did a scoping review actually on that and that's all I could find. Um, so that's something that I'd really love to go into would be the child's perspective. And then maybe um, something about, you know, could measure their stress levels, cortisol before and after. Um, so yeah, we've just for now, um, focusing on the parents and hopefully one day we'll get to get how the children feel about it. But I would like to say a child would much rather play, have a pillow fight than be put in timeout. But I can't say that for sure because we haven't done the research yet. Um, so That's so interesting yeah. that there hasn't been no research. Of course, that would that needs to be a, a focus of research. Yeah, it's almost, I, I feel like it's almost a violation of the child's rights, like the United Nations rights of the child. You know, they talk about having the children's perspective and their uh, input into program development. And if you look, there's been thousands of papers written on parent education programs that teach discipline to children, but there's never been any studies at all, um, you know, triple P, all those about, they've never looked into how the child feels about it. So that's kind of concerning, but we'll get there, I guess, eventually. <laughs> and so this was part of your PhD, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this will be part of the thesis that will be one of the chapters. Yeah. And then um, so that was phase one of the project was the this was a pilot study, by the way. Um, we had to think about what we were going to even measure because it's the first, you know, first study on aware parenting. So even just knowing what measurement tools to use, what questions were we going to ask parents and what outcomes were we looking for was like, <laughs> it took me so long to think about it. it took me I don't even want to say how long and then finding a questionnaire that was appropriate you know a lot of the ones that are measuring um, had to be valid it had to be reliable and a lot of the questionnaires that measure ch child's behavior uses language that aware parenting wouldn't use like we would never you know, you know we talk about like children misbehaving and so that was a whole big thing was just finding the right measurement tools so that was phase one the pilot study next year we're just starting the ethics application for the next phase of the study which will be in 2023 and we'll do a full scale a fully powered randomized controlled trial of aware parenting and we're going to measure i'm really excited um we're going to measure the um, parents report of attachment and then we're going to also measure look at the um, child's behavior we're going to look at the parents' uh, well-being and parents' efficacy. And we'll do interviews again as well, um, but we'll keep the same format. So we'll, we'll um, do the same single session online. I think that seemed to work well. And just um, do add a few extra measurements to the next study and see what we get. <laughs> and what about recruitment for participants? Yeah, um, so we'll need to probably broaden the demographic of the participants. So in the last study, we probably had participants from a higher socioeconomic uh, status. So we want to expand that a bit um, and include more people because we only had, I think, 26. So we want to have, we need at least 45 or something to have a fully powered trial. So yeah, 
that's what's next. <laughs> wow. And yeah. when do you anticipate, or is that an unanswerable question? Finishing? Oh, no, no, it's got to be. Yeah, so we'll start recruitment in um, January 2023, you know, right after the holidays, and then um, hopefully have the, the study in March, start it in March. Wow. And, yeah, I don't know how long the data analysis will take, but um, publication maybe. But, yeah, that's the plan. So, Well, that's so amazing. Yeah, it's really nice to just, you know, because I think as an aware parent instructor, you know, you want to say, oh, these are the benefits of it because you've seen it. We've, we've all experienced it with our own children and helping other parents. But just to be able to say like, oh, yeah, here you go. This is what we found in, the, in research. It just gives it that credibility um, yeah. rather than it just being hearsay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it was interesting. We were in a, a meeting with Elisa the other day and she was saying that her vision for within the next five years is for aware parenting to be a mainstream, the mainstream approach for oh, parenting. Wow. And she was acknowledging the role of your studies and to increase the understanding and to have more evidence in the scientific literature. We really do need that, don't we, in order for this to be a more accepted and more widely used approach. It really helps to have that evidence yeah especially if we want endorsement from the government we need to have you know multiple trials done in different scenarios and yeah different populations so we really need to anyone want to join join my team (laughs) i'd love to join your team (laughs) (laughs) amazing so what yeah is that are there things that you're looking for specifically are you looking for participants or are you looking for oh not yet so far we're just uh, working on the ethics because we did the pilot study everything will just be based off of the pilot study yeah just adding a few um, different measurement tools and um yeah we might look at getting participants from gps um offices you know word of mouth Mm. that kind of thing we only need 44 participants to make it fully powered it's not doesn't have to be huge yeah um, just as long as it's kind of a more diverse demographic so Mm. yeah but if anybody has any ideas about any research you know it's not that hard to do it you just have to have the idea and the um commitment Mm. but really if anyone's listening to this thinking oh (laughs) maybe just come forward and with an idea and you know you'll find you'll find the means somehow you make it sound so easy no it's, <laughs> I know not, it's, it's not well it's not easy but it, it, it it's possible yeah you know it's yeah. just that if, if if you have that desire and research is really about helping other people you know like I don't know anybody who does research that does it for themselves mm-hmm. unless they're like a company or something. but I mean people who are involved in the type of research that um, I'm doing it's for the greater good so it really is like a service, I think, to do this kind of research. So yeah, if anyone's interested in doing something that will support so many people eventually, maybe hopefully, then yeah, you should definitely consider it. Wow. And just I'd love to talk to you as well a bit more about other specific parts of aware parenting. Are there is there anything else that we haven't spoken about that is in terms of our how we practice aware parenting with our children that you are that you love particularly and that you found super effective in your own family? I mean, the crying thing was probably yeah. I think just also just being more relaxed and having more fun. <laughs> I didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of fun growing up. It was, very serious business <laughs> and um, I just there's a bit more laughter it's a bit chaotic at times but um you know I think maybe also we live in a unit with three children so <laughs> that could be why um but it just makes life a bit more fun and relaxed so 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I found that too. And it is, it's it's a big responsibility becoming a parent. And most of us are doing it without the support that we need, often far away from our families and, you know, living in our little nuclear families. It's it's not an ideal way to be parenting. And so to, to have aspects that support our children to be more cooperative and to be more relaxed and also allow us to have more fun in the process, is it's a win-win, isn't it? Yeah, it is definitely. I think it just, yeah, it depends where where you are in your own journey as well. I think that's a big, I, I feel like I had, was already kind of on my way. I, I, I thought I was. And then once the kids came along, I was like, oh, I've got so much more to work on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I think that's a pretty common um, theme and that parents find once they start on this path is that it's just the tip of the iceberg, the mm-hmm. learning all these things. And then it, it's a never-ending journey, I find. It just keeps unraveling. So it's really, yeah. really amazing. And do you have specific things on that that you found helpful in your own healing journey as you've started applying like the aware parenting for yourself, reparenting yourself that you think would be are helpful that you share with other parents or that you would recommend? I think one thing I've actually learned from doing research on aware parenting, I'll, I'll never forget, I was presenting my project at the start and this little old woman, she said to me, your, your research is going to be really hard, you know. And I was like, oh, my gosh, why? And she said, you know, you're studying parents and you are a parent with young children. And I thought, oh, okay. And so that's been actually so amazing because I've actually relaxed so much more since starting my PhD. You know, since starting the research on aware parenting, I learned I I was holding on to so much judgment um, towards myself and others. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned to let go of over the past few years. And so that's been quite liberating. I feel so much more relaxed now. So, And is that about understanding that a little is enough and that there's no such thing as perfect and that kind of thing? Is that what you mean? Or is it something else? Yeah, just about, um, I guess, about my ideals, my ideals of parenting. Like I was, like we were homeschooling before and it was beautiful. But then I also felt the pinch just a little too much. But then it was like this internal battle. I'm like, no, but I don't agree with school. And da, 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 da. But then it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not meeting anybody's needs. Mm-hmm. And just being real, realistic. And then so when the kids went to school, everything felt a lot more balanced. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it was just a lot of letting go of my um, ideas I had in my head about what's perfect and what's, you know, what's possible. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it, isn't it? And I think that understanding our needs and most of us grew up, I I mean, if somebody had asked me 10 years ago, what are your unmet needs? I would have been like, what? What are you even talking about? I have no idea what, I don't know what my needs are, let alone which ones are not being met right now. (laughs) Totally. But yeah, understanding that that's such a crucial part of of how we feel and how we behave. Um, Just making time to prioritise giving some thought to what our needs might be and then finding little ways to meet them and yeah it's so important isn't it it's huge mm-hmm. what are your your dreams then for aware parenting what's your vision you spoke a bit about what your research is going to be focusing on but if you sort of think forward how would you love to see yeah well I was really excited when you just said that Elisa Soltera has this vision now to make us you know mainstream because I was saying this a few years ago and I, I felt like there was maybe I don't know if we were ready to to think that way. And then I and then it, it, sometimes you go back and forth like, well, maybe this isn't for everybody, or maybe it is. 
Um, but I think aspects of it are for everybody, like the playful discipline. And that's why I chose to focus on the playful discipline aspect. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most easy to incorporate in people's lives and it's the starting point. Mm-hmm. So I guess, and I don't see anymore, I don't see like the programs like Triple P as the enemy or the behaviorism as the enemy because I'm also involved in um, education. But I would like to like infiltrate them <laughs> with, with like, like, oh, let's try the playful discipline stuff and without even talking bad about, you know, punishments and rewards and just say, hey, like, this is what, what you could also do. Mm-hmm. And just for them to see that, that, oh, there is another way, if that makes sense. Because I really, I think the first couple of years of my research, I really focused on trash talking now. <laughs> behaviorism and then I kind of came to this realization like well maybe giving them an alternative would be the best thing mm-hmm. for now so I guess yeah getting that uh, that playful discipline out even if it's um, not packaged as aware parenting but just letting that that theory that philosophy of that that playful discipline and also um, you know present time loving limits I think if you even if you can just get the ideas the philosophies of aware parenting into other existing because they're so massive you know all the programs out there right now they're so well established I don't know it's like do we come and get rid of them or do we infiltrate <laughs> so, that's kind of my yeah where I'm at now thinking about that so wow what about um resources that you found particularly helpful with the web parenting like maybe in the early days things that you've really enjoyed and have been very effective yeah I think them? just Staying connected with the, you know, like-minded community. There's like an aware parenting Facebook page, and but but also not limiting yourself to just aware parenting uh, people who follow aware parenting because you'll find that actually everybody has to some degree has this acceptance of aware parenting. If you if you tell them about it, they're like, oh yeah. There's very few people that actually have you found this. Mm. There's very few people that are like, oh no, that's all stupid. You know, some mm. of it, there are aspects of it that. Yeah, so I think just connecting with people, not necessarily only aware parenting um, parents, but anyone who will, you know, kind of similarly aligned yeah. is so, so nice. Like we live in a nice community where I can't even walk down the street without bumping into a few people I know. And that's really helpful to just be able to talk to them and mm. Yeah, mm. complain a little bit about <laughs> the hard parts of parenting. You don't need to sugarcoat everything. It's, yeah. you know there's going to be challenging times and that's fine so yeah I mean I think that's really really important isn't it about being real being authentic about the struggles the joys as well as the challenges and yeah I think it's it's really helpful for people to know that there's there is no such thing as doing aware parenting perfectly that's that's not what it's about at all not at all yeah and I love yeah the fact we've talked already about all the different resources that are available um, and the growing, growing body of courses and writings and podcasts and all that kind of thing. And Aletha's new book um, is coming out soon. Um, she's written another book about healing trauma. Okay. I think that'll be really interesting too. I love all her books. Oh, they're amazing. I didn't know that. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really exciting. And so if you were like, I always ask people if there's something that they wish they'd known or, or something like if you were going to, so someone first starting out on this process, you've obviously spoken to lots of people who are, who are very early on in this process to share as part of your research. What, what do you think is really helpful for people to know or just something you wish you'd known? 
I think just to, like we were just saying, just be real about what you can, what's your capacity and what, what can you do in that time with the resources that you have and just to, you know, drop all the comparisons that you do with other parents. And if you see a blog or something that makes you feel really bad about yourself, <laughs> then probably don't follow it. I think that could probably help just to be relaxed and know that you already have all the, the you can do it. It's just you can only do what, what you have the capacity to do. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. That sense that it's yeah, it's enough every time we're doing every time we do something that is supportive for ourselves and something that is supportive for our children. It's it's enough. It's a gift. It's an extra. And even if that's we only listen to feelings once, that's still that's still amazing and better than not listening to feelings at all. Or yeah, know. that's right. Like if there's ten, that's, that's yeah. If there's ten times, I I mean I can't even listen to feelings all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. and I say to my kids, are a bit older now. It's like I'm sorry, I can't can't listen to you right now like it's yeah yeah there's only so much listening I can do that's you you just have to be realistic so yeah if it's once a week it's better than zero times a week so yeah yeah yeah, absolutely okay well is there anything else that you wanted to share that you haven't had a chance that we haven't discussed oh I'm just so happy I had to blab about my research for an hour (laughs) to somebody else other than my supervisors (laughs) yeah that was really really great um no I think it's just you know, it's just a matter of time and, and getting more people who are, you know, if they're interested, even if you have an idea that could contribute, like somebody had an idea, what if we measured cortisol? Um, and that just planted the seed, like, okay, well, that will be the next project. So, um, you know. Well, thanks so much for coming on and for sharing. And I just, I'm so impressed and amazed like, that you're, <laughs> that you had the, the, the thought to do the research and that you had the tenacity to actually complete it and that you've then managed to publish this amazing article that is so accessible and so clear and so encouraging and positive for parents and and for people who are practicing it and people who are trying to share it in the world so your contribution is really really significant there's another one too uh there's a the other part of that research paper is um under review right now so I'm hoping it'll be published soon um the quantitative part of the same research project so hopefully that should be coming out as well yeah well we look forward to reading it (laughs) thank you so much thank you thank you for joining me on aware parenting stories i hope you enjoyed this episode to find out more please visit my website www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm -hmm.